WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guests are the creative team behind the new Boom Studios series, Know Your Station, Sarah Gailey and returning champion, Liana Kangas. Uh, Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. So uh, we're going to we're going to start off with the first time guest question. What are some of the first comics that you remember reading? Uh, Easy Elf Quest. I got my hands on the collected Elf Quest um, that my mom had like tucked away. And I remember reading them and going, oh, my God, this what am I looking at? And I've actually revisited the series as an adult. And I am, I can see the entire DNA of my personality when I go back and look at those things. That is excellent. And Liana Kangas has entered the hey. chat. Liana, <laughs> we've just been talking about how great you are this whole time. Can confirm. That's a great thing to come uh, <laughs> to arrive into a meeting too. Thank you so much. <laughs> And, and I must say, as Liana has joined us, so behind their right shoulder, we've also been joined by Goose from Saga. Goose. Hi, Goose. Hello, <laughs> nice Goose. Notice, Matt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything's better with Goose. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, you know, part of what we're here to talk about uh, are mysteries today. So I'm curious: uh, was anybody else able to see? the limited theatrical release of the new Knives Out Glass Onion over the Thanksgiving holiday? I was not. One of my dear friends just this morning told me that she was able to go see it and that it was fantastic and that it, like, formed a perfect, like, beautiful mystery story that was, like, everything she needed and I'm a desperate. I have yearning in my heart. <laughs> okay, so Everyone wants a Ryan Johnson whodunit. Listen... Uh, Sarah and I talk about movies all the time, and I am surprised that one has not come up, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I was I thinking about going to see it Sunday as like a last minute thing, and then I realized it's not playing anywhere near me. I <laughs> have to drive an hour out of our way, and I was just like, I don't, don't want to wait until late December to see this, but okay. <laughs> I might be like the small percentage, but I still can't do movie theaters. Um, and I have invested in my home theater setup in order to, uh, you know, not buy movie tickets anymore. <laughs> so that's <laughs> perfectly fair. Uh, I'm like, you know, pre COVID I was two to three times a week at the movie theater. So it's, oh, it's wow. something I can't not, it, it's part of my DNA. So I, I although I've, still taking breaks since I came back. Like when there are spikes, I stop going for a while because yeah, but I will say nothing beyond, Oh, it was so good. <laughs> also yeah. the fact oh, that I the can't movie, wait. movie theater is like a, just a normal walk for me from my house, you know, a whole you know two miles. So that that's not bad for me. I, I walk five miles a day. So, you know, two miles each way with a movie in between is a nice walk. Um, but but yes it was very very good and i will will say nothing beyond that since i'm the only one here who has seen it <laughs> yeah give 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 no spoilers i'm also uh I'm, i can't do movie theaters yet and so liana i need to hit you up for home theater um adjustment recommendations because my ancient television which is not a smart tv and which i'm so attached to because it's not a smart tv <laughs> is starting to show signs of fatigue like the the audio will just go robot 
for like five minutes at a time and we have to like turn it off and turn it back on again and I'm like do I need to pour some water into your radiator old guy right yeah this sounds like a tube tv like it's trying its best but it's, you know it's the got like inside smoke is probably... rising up off the back yeah. <laughs> you really need a young priest and an old priest you know the power of Christ compels you <laughs> So that's what you're saying is that's where you got all your ideas from is this haunted TV. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, I open up the back, I stick my head inside and I let it microwave my brain. <laughs> Tales of the haunted 12 inch Zenith. <laughs> oh my God. I can still remember the, the big tube TV I had when I was a kid, how warm it would get on top and that specific like static heat that can't have been good for my physical form, but I would just go and just like put my hands on it and be like, wow, this is what electricity feels like. The warmth of the glowing warmth of technology. Yeah. <laughs> just gaze into the tube. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, we're all here to talk about Know Your Station, which is uh, your new Boom series that launch is uh, December 7th, colored by Rebecca Nolte and lettered by Cardinal Ray. Uh, Matt, why don't you get all dark and ominous and read that sweet, sweet solicit blurb? The wealthiest people in the solar system abandoned the Earth for a private sanctuary in space, leaving the rest of us to die amidst cataclysmic climate change. The 1% won't be safe for long. A murderer is on the loose, specifically targeting the super-rich. Soon, Elise, an employee of the billionaire space station, is wrapped up in a deadly investigation, with each issue featuring a new, diabolically different kill. So, this is a series of space detective mysteries, and I feel like you have gone out of your way to give Matt a glorious Chrismica present. Uh, what what is the origin of this project? I feel I feel like I need to come up with a better answer than just um, reality. <laughs> this is it's a this good is one. A, this <laughs> yeah. is a project that is profoundly based in our our current world. Um, we live in an atmosphere of intense uh, inequality resources are distributed in a bizarrely unequal way. People's access to those resources is highly controlled by people who continue to hoard and amass more and more wealth. And part of how they control our access to those resources is through employment. Um, this space station, like any space endeavor, requires a huge staff of support. All of the billionaire space fantasies of like, you know, going and living on Mars require immense stable support on on earth in order to make them at all viable and so in you know coming up with this concept i really wanted to explore both sides of that reality um and also uh there's a little wish fulfillment <laughs> involved every billionaire in this series is based on real life billionaires they're crimes against humanity are based in real life crimes against humanity and uh for legal purposes this is a joke but the things that happen to them in this comic series could stand to be based in reality too <laughs> i'm joking officer 
yeah. <laughs> Clearly nowhere near as like abysmal as the things they've done, but you know. <clears throat> Pretty close. <laughs> oh boy. But uh now how did how did you two get connected? How did this this team come together? Our awesome editor, Elizabeth Bray. Uh I actually got an email. Uh it was my birthday weekend. I like to uh, say that because I don't think I've told you that, Sarah. Uh, I got the email um, from Elizabeth and I was just like, I'm pretty sure I just bought one of their books to read. What? Like, I had no idea. Um, And I read, I sat down, uh, my old roommate was in town and he was sitting with me and I was like, I have to do this, right? Like, I have to do this series, right? And he was like, I would be confused if you didn't, because this sounds exactly like everything you've always wanted to do. So now, uh, Liana, in terms of like time frame, like was there how far removed was this? I guess from like wrapping True Cult. Oh, that's it? a hard one. Um, well, it was like kind of overlapped actually, because uh, for the kickstarter backers we had already finished the series last october mm-hmm. um but our editor uh over at idw was like super cool about us integrating new pages to extend the series out mm-hmm. so it was kind of like doing a couple pages here and there um and i think i wrapped the last issue it was like a page or two in between the first issue that i was drawing for know your station mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool I would be so happy if we could just just swap one page between the final issue of True Cult and the first issue of Know Your Station. Just just to, just to spice it up a little. Just like surprise. Put some Easter eggs in there. Of yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be so fun. I mean, those billionaires have to have sold their souls to Satan, at least one of them. Exactly. That's very I- true. All you need is one caption box. Meanwhile, on Earth. <laughs> uh, well, if there's one burger joint on the space station, the first resort, I think we all know which one it would be. Oh, my gosh. That would be the main hangout, I think. Absolutely. It would right? be where all the cool people go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This crossover needs to happen. Yeah. Franchise opportunities <laughs> at Burger Lord. <laughs> 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 the future of Burger. <laughs> uh, now, uh, yes. I, I I love not the not the opening page, but early on, there's this sort of let's call it a menu page where, speaking of burgers, uh, employees of the first resort can pick which amoral C-suite executive they want to work under, and it reminds me very much of one of those those like Xbox 360 era games, like a Fable Three or a Fallout, where you know moral choices affect the uh, the gaming experience, but also they're all bad. And if you're like the worst kind of fourteen year old, you're trying to break the game by making the worst possible choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had so much fun with that. Um, both from a perspective of you know needing to kind of introduce a cast, right? You've got all these billionaires, you need to get a lot of information into the reader's brain about who they're dealing with and tone set for the type of, of horrors ahead. Um, and at the same time, because this is so anchored from the point of view of people who are working under these nightmare creatures that are the billionaires, um, I, I really wanted to focus in on 
what it's like to be an employee. You know, I mean, I think all of us have had the experience of knowing that we're working for terrible people and those people are giving us such an optimistic vision of what it's like to work for them and saying, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're joining, you know, the, this missile company family. And here we believe in the future of tomorrow, today. And you have this horrible uh, feeling of tension between knowing what this person actually is about and what they want you to believe and how important it is that you act like you believe it. And Liana came up with art for this sequence that just, I screamed at the top of my lungs when I first saw it. It is so beautifully presented as like this retro futuristic employee training video. Um, my oh, favorite so I love like the ideal like um like 60s nuclear era like capitalism uh like airplane instruction video where like you almost like have to integrate aeronautics right because it's space but also at the same time it is like an introduction employee video that you have to watch like because HR makes you mm -hmm. um before joining you know a your family. Uh, and, <laughs> Who doesn't uh, have to watch a video before joining a family? <laughs> right, right. And uh, it's like the way Sarah writes, like the introduction is so perfectly set in terms of like my dark humor brain to where I was like, this is going to be so much fun turning what should be like super dark and uh, uh bleak into like a fun creepy instructional video <laughs> I think it sets up the tone perfectly <laughs> absolutely um you know and, and something else that helps set the tone is the station AI uh St. Bridget uh I, you know I I feel like you know with the MCU sort of become accustomed to the idea of the AI with a you know quote-unquote quirky sort of personality but this one actually has like real character like I I love this thing uh system operating system I you know I don't I'm not sure what the well AI I guess is the right term but you know would you like to have uh you know with the understanding that I have not read the rest of the story uh St. Bridget is an actual AI, uh you know AI in your life <laughs> I, I would love to have a St. Bridget <laughs> and I'm not gonna, I'm like thinking through the entire story in my head and at every single juncture, I'm, I feel more committed to that answer. Okay. <laughs> I, I would be so happy to have a St. Bridget in my life. The, the reliance that you can place on her is just unreal. Like every time I draw like a scene uh, that, you know, uh, St. Bridget is there for the employees really to like make their lives easier. And like, she's an outward facing, uh, you know, like AI to make things clean for the facilitation between the billionaires and the staff. And like the amount she does for the staff is just like exorbitant. And like, who wouldn't want to have an AI personal assistant that does everything for you? <laughs> And in I have some, to. Oh, I was just going to say, in some places, I based her, like, some of the quirks of her dialogue on a friend of mine who is the person who 
has introduced phrases into my life like um things can be two things and no one gets to test you and it is the case that people will be stupid sometimes <laughs> and it is our job to weather that with grace and it's it's just this feeling of perfect security that I have around this friend of mine that like, I know she will always tell me the truth. I know that even if the truth is unpleasant, she will deliver it with perfect clarity. And I also know that she will always have my back. And I was like, these, these are the things that St. Bridget needs to be. Um, and I feel like that probably influences how much I'm like, yeah, I want a St. Bridget. I get to hang out with the person all the time. <laughs> And I have to imagine as a storytelling device, it's useful in that you're able to have at least talk to someone and talk things out without having to force another character or have someone who's talking to themselves constantly or caption boxes. Yeah, the and the conversation between St. Bridget and Elise gives some opportunity for... Um, Elisa's kind of internal narrative to be realistic in its dishonesty. You know, we're not always perfectly honest with ourselves. Um, the the very first page that has Elisa on it has her saying, I'm getting clean and this time I mean it. And St. Bridget says, I believe you. And it's kind of this opportunity to have Elise be a real person instead of someone who can perfectly reflect their true, honest emotional state at all times. So I just uh, on a whim, just just to see if I dig up anything I, I felt like was plot relevant. I, I uh, was researching the real St. Bridget, the patron saint of poets uh, and apparently midwives, newborns, Irish nuns, fugitive blacksmiths, dairy maids, boatmen, chicken farmers, cattle scholars, sailors, and no doubt many more. Uh, I'm pretty go through thoroughly the... covered. <laughs> That's a lot of shit. That's I mean, that's like that thing with like saints and, and, and old like gods. They were always like, you know, it was like 30 different things. Like this is the god of, I don't know, uh, insurance and cats and uh, mid-length sonnets. One of my favorites is Aphrodite Pandemos, god of romantic love, sexuality and true democracy. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, go, go and read Girl your... Go read your Discworld. Terry Pratchett <laughs> loves to do that with like you know, this god of this thing, this thing, and oh, by the way, this weird third thing that has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> oh, Sir Terry. Uh yeah. No, but uh legend states that the infant Bridget vomited any food the druid attempted to feed her as he was impure, so a white cow with red ears sustained her instead. So apparently Saint Bridget was the original Tom Green. Go figure. <laughs> A white cow with red ears is so specific that it feels true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to have to put a cow in issue five. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, uh, where's that one being put in? Because I definitely yeah. could stand to draw a cow once in my career. I feel I'm... like every artist needs to be cow focused. Mm -hmm. Ultimate artistic expression. <laughs> Eventually, Again, we come back to the series that took place at a burger joint. I'm supposed to say, you know, there's you know, a true cult sequel where they go to, you know, see where all the burgers come from. There's plenty of cows there, or are mm -hmm. there? That clearly one of the billionaires owns big, uh, big meat industry. You know, he's just got some cattle on board the space station. For the <laughs> there's got to be meat in space somewhere. <laughs> Oh boy. But uh 
you know, uh, another thing I wanted to 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 pick out when we get to, uh, you know, one of the first murder victims, uh, the Fair Milk's living room is incredible. Uh, I had a probably like two minute long chuckle at the Peloton under glass in the center of the room. Um, you know, I, I, without going into any sort of story spoilers, we're not here for that. But, you know, what was the thinking there in terms of making that room an Easter egg showcase? I never had more fun writing a single page of a comic <laughs> in my fucking life than that page. So the Fair Milk's living room is described as one of the largest collections of war era memorabilia. Um, the war era is a reference to this incredible, this actually incredible Tumblr post where somebody wrote um, a series of academic annotations describing the context of the fan fiction My Immortal. And it's just annotations saying, like, here's the historical context of this. And they refer to the time it was written as the war era, which is what we live in now, a time of, of global um, military conflict really pushed quite hard by American imperialism, causing sort of endless war, right? We've been at war pretty much continuously since I was nine, I want to say, like nine or 10. Um, so that's that's the, the era that they collect memorabilia from, which they also refer to as a golden era of carceral um, innovation, mm -hmm. our privately owned prison era that we live in right now that where you know that is where a lot of profit comes from um in american economics so they collect this memorabilia and i wanted to highlight the absolute dearth of taste in the things that we use to kind of annotate this era um we've got the peloton under glass liana i think put in some is, is that inflatable furniture um mm -hmm. that is Stunning. We've got a big painting of Ronald Reagan in front of an erupting volcano. Because <laughs> um, if you're going to celebrate privately owned prison uh, profits, you have to celebrate Reagan, one of the greatest monsters of the past 50 years. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a Furby. We have a Dare Christmas sweater. Um, because, of course, the war on drugs, a crucial part of the immense profits reaped by the American private uh, prison system mm -hmm. and then the thing that that I think is probably the finest the finest thing I've ever written now I'm going to assume the finest thing you've ever drawn the <laughs> the commemorative 9-11 never forget surfboard <laughs> the amount of like text messages I got about that <laughs> surfboard is like <laughs> I was like, I have no answer for you. You're going to have to tweet it, Sarah. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're Listen, sometimes you need to hang 10 in memoriam. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, my Florida roots really just show through that. Actually, me and Elizabeth, I mean, you're really just honoring us uh, yeah. in some way there, you know. You drop a solemn cowabunga and then, <laughs> and then rip a gnarly wave. Everyone the mourns truth. in their own way. I think I put, there was a Hamilton poster, which I was like, surely we will get sued for this. 
Um, <laughs> I put a. I, I think you can't quite read the letters Hamilton, so we can say. Oh it's yeah, like, I scratched it out. Yeah, th- that it's from a different Broadway show. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, it's actually an ode to Slamilton, the mashup of Hamilton and space in the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Um, I think there's a caboodle. Um. There's the uh the denim jam bears. What, yeah, what are those called? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, you know, because Miss Fairmilk reminded me of Nancy Reagan, and I was like, what do kids during the Nancy Reagan time like to collect? And I was like, I don't know. I I was this close to putting Polly Pockets, but I feel like that would have been too close. <laughs> I I would love to see the like Fair Milk limited edition Polly Pocket Panopticon <laughs> to celebrate you know the two greatest innovations of that time period. I'm not I'm not saying that I uh want people to cosplay the billionaires but if somebody came out to us at a con and was conscious playing her i think i would die inside (laughs) i would i would i would never feel unhappy again um mrs fairmilk the wife of the first deceased uh billionaire this is not a spoiler we learn at page one he is he is no more um is someone who dresses in a classic fashion um she styles herself the same way a lot of people today who are into traditionalism like to style themselves according to what they think of as 50s fashion which is almost never what people were wearing every day all the time in the 50s it's what people in magazines and in film were wearing in the 50s so it's like a pretty elevated and complicated and restrictive fashion um and mrs Fairmilk is styled with a similar sensibility, but looking back toward the early 2000s, um, I believe, Liana, I believe the look that we landed on for her, we described as Nancy Reagan, Dan, Nancy Reagan, yeah, that's a space name, Nancy Reagan meets Xenon girl of the 21st century. Yep. Um, like she just walked into a Claire's and uh, walked right out with an unlimited shopping spree. Now, mm-hmm. I watched the Disney Channel original movie, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, very recently for the first time. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is this is a lot like that, except with, you know, actual strong anti-capitalist themes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that was actually in the heart of this. <laughs> this. This whole comic series could best be described as what if Karl Marx wrote Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. And I think that's the blurb. <laughs> See, that's usually where I would drop in. I would watch that show, but I actually am. So I'm very happy. It's so oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> Which is our, I think that's our house style uh, working mm-hmm. as a team is oddly specific. Oh yeah. The, the unlimited references and uh, ideas that you give me are just so easy to run with. It's fantastic. Well, every every time I get to, I just got some inks in my inbox this morning that had me like on the floor because I'll put these references in and sometimes I'll I'll put them in with a really specific vision in mind and sometimes I'll be like this is just the vibe and sometimes I'll be like this is funny to me and I think our editor Elizabeth will tell me to take it out 
And then she goes, no, make it more. And I'm like, I, I'm so honored and excited and feral to have a working partner who I can trust with these things that are totally deranged. Um, and Liana translates the, the absolute madness, soft serve that comes out of my brain into such a gorgeous book. I'm so excited for you guys to see the whole thing. I think it's uh, what I'll just say to piggyback on that is like, because uh, this is one of the first books I've done where we've been paired up and like, usually I do books with folks that I've known for a long time. Um, it's been nice because we've been doing everything backwards where like we're getting to know each other and figuring out how to communicate on the book. And like we communicate in like really interesting ways. Like uh, one of the things that uh, Sarah was referencing in a script, I was like, oh, is it kind of like this? And I sent like a music video and you got so excited and I was excited because it's one of my favorite music videos. So like for everything to be backwards, but also like have the high of like getting excited to like, you know, geek out about things we like and also like, things that we're seeing in our head that we can only really like communicate in so many words is very fun. It's so fun. And it's so cool to see how we can push each other further. You know, I have like, I, I, when I'm first meeting someone, I hold back a little bit of the uh, complete chaos that is the, <laughs> that happens inside of my skull. I'm like, okay, let's not inflict this on brand new person because they will flee into the night and every now and then we'll just we'll just have this moment where I'll be like oh this is someone who who gets it um and that's so exciting that music video moment was one of those where I was like this is someone who watched this music video which is one of the most incredible music videos I've ever seen filmed really incredibly and saw this and went there's artistic references available to me in this that I can use to communicate about a vision and like, that's so magical. That's so magical and special. And there's something so thrilling about meeting a brain that works that way. Okay, this feels like one of those always get the name of the dog moments. What what music video was it? Uh, it is Metronomy and it's the song She Wants. Okay. It's, okay. I think, my top three music videos of all time. It's a stunner. It is really yeah. cool. I'll have to check that it out. was really cool yeah. that we were able to like kind of utilize uh inspiration from that too because i have been looking for an excuse to like do something like that too so it was really nice to where i was like not only did you listen to the whole song which is always like a number one for me like i love making playlists for people i love when people are as excited about the same bands and stuff as i am but for somebody to sit through a whole music video because our attention span is like very limited now right um I was just like, that touches my heart. It was very nice. <laughs> also, I will be the last person running and screaming over wild chaos brain. So <laughs> that is, yeah. I don't know. Tell me that again after you've read the script for issue four. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've come to the right podcast. We are the podcast that encourages wild tangents. So welcome to the family yeah i was gonna say I feral away time, please <laughs> wait welcome to the family we didn't even have to watch a video <laughs> oh that's a good point no we gotta make a video to, <laughs> i spent through like 15 20 minutes of all of us talking about final fantasy last time so 
it was probably like a half hour. Yeah, like that that, that is what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can just be inducted by the graces of me sitting through that conversation. I'm just kidding. I loved it. No, that's good. That. No, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Believe me, as the guy who spent this weekend, part of this weekend, looking at T-shirts that said, "Don't blame me. I married into this family." Uh, I, I <laughs> that video might have come in handy at some point or another. <laughs> Someone went away to the in-laws for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh boy, but Matt, you had uh, you had something yes. in here about uh, lettering that you wanted to get into. Indeed. Uh, so there's a moment early on uh, where Elise is talking to to Bridget about blue, this narcotic, some sort of drug, chemical, and blue is the the literal word is blue and then bridget whose letters whose lettering is blue boxes with black lettering the blue there shifts to white was that in the script was that something cardinal ray brought to that it's anytime you see that that one word in your head you can or for me i like i read the emphasis so I'm curious where that came from. That was intentional in the script. Um, Cardinal Ray is a phenomenal letterer. I have had the the honor of working with them before, and their lettering work is incredible and creative, and they can carry really weird lettering ideas. Um, I always I always want to get really playful with lettering, and I at the same time have no skill as a letterer, have no insight into which things I'm asking for are deranged and which things are reasonable and Cardinal can do anything. Um, So in a late draft of the script, I I said, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if the the word blue was different, both to help signal to the reader that it's important and to help emphasize the way it changes a person's brain. Blue is a, it's a psychoactive hallucinogenic, drug that is used by the working class of this space station. It's distributed to them on an official basis by the space station. And it's used to basically keep them docile. Um, This is like a long legacy in capitalism of giving workers substances to help them blow off steam in order to help keep them from sort of recognizing their own dissatisfaction with their environment. And substance abuse is a huge reaction to being under the under the boot heel of capitalism. Abusive substances is incredibly common in uh, situations where you don't have access to the things you need, right? We use substances to cope. So Elise is heavily dependent on blue. She uses it quite a lot. Her uh, relationship to that addiction is a big part of this story. And when we are connected to a substance in that way, we talk about it differently, right? The word uh, the word drink will come differently out of the mouth of someone who has a dependent relationship with alcohol than to someone who has a casual relationship to it. And I thought, hey, it would be really cool if we could emphasize that in letters. And Cardinal was already putting together St. Bridget's letters, which look different because she sounds different because she's a robot and worked this in so seamlessly i'm just oh i love this team it's cool because like it gives the visual aspect too right because like like you said addicts will look at 
visually hearing and visual cues of things that will be like a trigger, right? Like in a sense. And so I thought that was really cool the way that Cardinal did that. Um, I really love the way they designed the letters for the whole book. So, so great. Like, you know, when you like get a lettering pass and everyone's like, got any changes? Nah. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely not. Notes. <laughs> no. It's no. also it's a dense book. I mean, I'm I'm writing quite a lot of information in there. And so there's a lot of letters. Like Cardinal is carrying a a big amount of information and is doing it so yeah. smoothly. Like I, I just got a, a note from my editor that was like, listen, I think it would be a good idea if you could trim down this, this, and this panel a little bit. But if you can't, we know that Cardinal can carry it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, I will trim that down. I, w- I don't want to make more work for them. But also just the absolute trust that I have that Cardinal can take these like, you know, uranium dense scripts I'm writing and make them work on the page. It's so cool. I typically print my scripts because I draw layouts on the pages. Um, So that way, visually, I'm not looking at a screen. So I'm not like getting distracted by windows. And like, I'll print, I think, four pages a page uh, to save paper. And it's still 12 to 15 pages. But it's like, it doesn't seem like that much. You know what I mean? Like the scripts don't seem that long, but there is so much important detail with like the long con game right um and it's one of my favorite I really love your scripts like I was reading another one today and I was just like everything's there it's so perfect (laughs) like (laughs) zero questions right like every time uh I I just want to say you know in in reading eat the rich uh you know something that Cardinal did I believe it was Cardinal please correct me if I'm wrong obviously but it was uh, yeah Anytime there was a moment of sort of uh, panic or, or or Joe is having this realization, all of a sudden the letters are sort of like hovering in the air, filling up the panel in the background. And I was just like, this is, this is good shit. <laughs> it's, it's, they, ugh, their work on that series was so unreal. I, that was one of the situations, Etheridge was one of the earlier um, comics I wrote. And so I was still sort of getting a feel for what can be done. I learned so much. I had all these thoughts about like, what if we did things in gutters? And then the answer would be, well, the printing process for the comic looks like this, this, and this. So here's here's what you can do. Mm-hmm. And I would put things in the script, like, what if these words were floating in a syringe? What if these words were a- attacking the person? And Cardinal just made it work so beautifully and emphatically. And... And honestly, my my trust in this team is so much that in the scripts I'm writing right now, I'm dropping queries in panels like, hey, can we do something that pushes it in this direction? What would that look like? Because I, I know that the skill level is just unreal. Liana, the the, the two corpses, uh, the, the Mr. Fairmilk and the one that we will not reveal to avoid spoilers, uh, are graphic. Let's go with that as a word. Um, did did you do a lot of like you know biology research, or were you just sort of like a little bit of research and then just like <laughs> let's have fun? 
I'm sure my internet provider is like, what is this person doing? What's great is like, I have always, for being largely into horror, like, uh, you would think that this comes like super naturally to me, but I would say that anatomy is like one of my, I wouldn't call it a weakness, but one of the things that I've always tried to work on constantly because it's something that will make my work different or better or whatever that I'm feeling at the time as a skill set for like uh, what I'm working on, sequential cover, everything. Um, and trying to find, uh, you know, reference for what your body looks like without skin is like definitely <laughs> something that, you know, it, you get like a certain amount in science textbooks, you know, you get a certain amount with like learning the muscles in the body and things like that. But I'm like, I had to go back. And one of the best things about working with Sarah is I was just like, give me all your horror movie recommendations because like I went through and was like, what are the best horror movies that people are skinless, you know, like, and just like, really going back through and like watching and trying to find a lot of horror movies that like do this and how they did it. And like, wow, this special effects makeup team is like incredible. Or like, how did, did they add or did they take away? Or like, you know, how they did that visually was actually how I mostly executed my work, which is probably counterintuitive, but I kind of wanted to look at it in an art way and less in a scientific way, if that makes sense. Um, and I think too, a lot of my work that is growing in the horror genre of things is really dependent on the writing too, and also the editorial. Cause like our editorial is awesome. And I want things to be as impactful as it would be on a screen. And so to have the entire team like involved in that is super great um, because there are things that I can redraw and like it will be better, right? And that uh, particularly that splash page was, uh, I actually drew it twice because the first one just like wasn't hitting. And like, you know, as an artist, sometimes I'll go back at my work and be like, ah, oh, I can I could do that way better. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, it really was like finishing up the issue and it was just like, I don't know, we can, we can make that better. So it, I'm very happy with it, but it took a lot of like, again, my internet service provider uh, <laughs> probably is very confused as to like, you know, what I'm looking up all the time. Yeah. You can really see the thing and you can really see hellraiser in the way that liana draws these kills um which just like makes my rotten little heart so deeply happy i know that in the landscape of special effects right now um practical effects are are not being treated as well as they have been in the past in large part not to be too on brand because uh uh unions um mm -hmm. practical effects union make sure that people get paid well and treated right and there's not the same kind of union protection for um computer graphics workers but looking at these kills i'm like this feels this feels like a hellraiser to me the the original one with the with the 
they did this incredible thing where they built this guy's body in layers out of wax and then held hair dryers over it so the wax melted off and then reversed that footage so you could see muscles building themselves and it's just like this splash page has that on it it has that magic on it and it has that holy shit what am I looking at feeling that um I always want to bring I always want to bring readers when I'm writing horror is that feeling of like I hope no one catches me looking at this <laughs> I love how fucked up this book is <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've talked about that yet like it is uh it's dark <laughs> there's the you know there's the whole thing of like really wanting to die quietly in your sleep surrounded by loved ones um that we all have and that's not happening (laughs) (laughs) i think i had somebody ask like oh why why didn't this come out like uh near halloween and i was like are you kidding we have a huge open space of like missing horror around the holidays so you're getting a gift here Really? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you're 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 getting a post Thanksgiving uh, murder aperitif. Listen, mm-hmm. it's, it's the reason for the season. It is. We we have to keep the skinless billionaires in Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, I think the release date is Krampus knocked. So yeah, no, it, it's perfect timing. It's festive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A murder festivus for the rest of us. How much trickier is doing an interview when you're dealing with a mystery? Because even for me, it's like there's things I wanted to ask. Was like, no, that might be treading on a spoiler, both for what I've already read, and I don't want to ask them that you might accidentally say something where it would give something away because I don't want to be that guy because I like to play along with the mystery. I know on my end, it's not difficult at all because the, you know, I also write novels and the novels that I write, people describe them as having a lot of twists. I don't know if I agree, but they go in some pretty uh, bonkers directions and talking about them with people, people are always like, well, we can't spoil any of these quote unquote twists, but also how do we describe the plot of the book? So I have some practice with being Uh, a little coy and at this point it's pretty fun for me to be like I know something you don't know (laughs) (laughs) what about you just gonna say I guess we should start looking at all the knives out interviews and just uh kind of (laughs) base all of my uh my directional conversational changes around uh talking about it I I'm always so worried that I'll spoil something because like I think as a teen or like as someone who's extremely enthusiastic about pop culture and things like that, I previously used to tend to accidentally give things away. And um, I am very conscious of that now as like an adult being like, you know, trying to uh, almost not even talk about movie trailers because I have a lot of friends that don't even like to know. I mean, a lot of movie trailers nowadays even give way more than they should right um especially for those that are connected to books or comics or things like that and so uh it's easy for me to talk about my artwork i could talk about that pretty easily for a long period of time but if anybody asks me about story i'm just gonna be 
there's an embargo. I cannot talk about it. <laughs> it's great, you know? Um, so it's, I mean, I can also just lean in on my normal, typical stuff where I just compliment, you know, the entire team. So it's great. <laughs> Speaking of the team, can we just take a second to, I I need to hoot and holler and shoot my six guns in the air about our colorist. Um, the, 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 the inks on issue one were finalized and I was like, this book is going to be great. This book is going to be great. I'm so lucky to get to work with Liana. This is fucking awesome. And then the colors came through and I like had to lie down. I was not well for a whole day. And I, I was having dinner that evening with a friend of mine who is a, a comics artist. And I went, hey, do you want to see something? And sh- she was like, you know what? And I was like, we got the colors in for this book. And I pulled it up on my my tablet. And she had the same reaction I did. It was just like, holy shit. It's... I, and you yeah. worked with the colors before. Yeah, so Rebecca and I actually, what's funny is probably when you were having dinner, her and I were meeting for the first time in real meet space, which is amazing because Rebecca and I have known each other for almost my entire comics career. Uh, Rebecca was the colorist on She Said Destroy, which was my first book at Vault. Um, And uh, not a lot of people know, Rebecca and I have actually been working together for the past year on a book that still isn't announced. over a year uh wow all of 2021 and so it was funny to go from all right rebecca we did it like see you i don't know Uh, you know comics it's like you'll see i'll see you when i see you and then it was like a month later and elizabeth was like hey i just wanted to let you know that rebecca's the colorist and i was like (laughs) i'll see you next week you know i was so excited um especially because like one we have the rapport of working together already so like I really don't have to do or say or send notes or be like explain my inks because they're you know they're left open and sometimes you can't really tell what things are if you don't know my work already and so number one that's already crossed out like don't have to worry about that number two I feel like Rebecca and I have had a lot more time to get to know like each other's interests and so like I feel like this is very much in her wheelhouse uh and uh, it's great because she colors things how I color things but in her style so it's a win-win scenario it's awesome I'm still very excited about it sorry I literally just saw her so I'm very much like (laughs) wow we met in real life that's crazy (laughs) It's so wild because we work in this industry where like you can have such a close working relationship with someone and never have met them mm-hmm. in person. And that's the case for every, I work in multiple parts of publishing and I have people who I've been working with for years and who I'm like, I never want to work without this person. I have no idea how tall they are. I've, I have no idea. I'll forewarn you. I am very short. I'm so short. I am also very short. So I'm excited for this because I never get to meet other short people from publishing. They're always giants. They drink milk as children. It's not it's right. Okay. <laughs> I've many times like made jokes that I will be the Yoda backpack to many of my <laughs> friends because they're all so tall. So tall. Like Emily Pearson and Lauren Walsh, my art, like twins, so tall. And I'm like, let me just 
hang out up there? What is it like up there? You know, <laughs> I'm always like, like I, I have to have a buddy with me at like conferences and stuff who can see over the crowd. That's the thing I need. I'm like, I don't know if we can get where we're going because I'm looking yeah. at the backs of people's knees right Can't now. Can't see. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's helpful when they have the numbers on the aisles. So few conventions do that when they have the numbers, because then you actually know where you're going or at least the vague general direction (laughs) that we can tilt our, our heads back and look up toward the ceiling and get actual information. So convention checklist, you need a backpack to carry everything. You need some hand sanitizer because you're never going to know, you know, how many hands you're going to shake and you need a height buddy. To see, yes. to see over people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a tall friend who can pick you up above the crowd like a kitty cat and just carry yes. you through. I saw TikTok earlier today. Sorry to bring up TikTok, I know. But uh, I it was uh, these two people that like did a special handshake. But at the end of the handshake, the person picked them up and put them on the back of their shoulders, <laughs> like piggyback ride. And I was like, I want that in my life. I would like a friend to do that with. I want to be that tall. You know what? Back when I was a, a wayward youth, I went to Ozfest one time, um, just a big music festival, mm-hmm. and I went. I went. Ozzy Osbourne himself was play a concert, and he was like two hours late. We were all standing in the crowd, and people were getting restless. And then some people were like, "There's no music playing. We're still gonna start a mosh pit, um, and we're not gonna do it toward the front. We're gonna do it just right in the middle of the crowd." And I happened to be right there at the time. I I was like 90 pounds soaking wet. I was teeny tiny. I did not know what was happening. And this gigantic man was standing behind me and just lifted me away from the mosh pit and moved me to a safe location. Which first of all, excellent part of like music festival, concert, punk culture is like mosh pit safety. People are really good at at keeping folks safe when other people are being irresponsible. Mm -hmm. But I just, I will never forget that feeling of just being airlifted away (laughs) from danger. Just baby Simba at Pride Rock. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Literally a, a guardian angel. Yeah. Yeah. Thank uh, you if you're out there, giant, giant man. Uh well, uh, Sarah Leona, this has been a, a fantastic time. Uh this hour flew by. Final question before we release you both back into the wild. Uh, how can people follow you online? I know that's a loaded question these days, and keep up with Know Your Station and everything else that you have going on. Um, you can find me uh, at sarahgailey.com is where you can find links to all my work and links to all my current social media. I'm mostly on Instagram and Tumblr right now um, at Gailey Frey. That's G-A-I-L-E-Y-F-R-E-Y. And you can also sign up for my newsletter, Stone Soup, through my website, which is the most reliable way to get updates and all of the Know Your Station hooting and hollering that I'm going to be doing over the next several months. Yeah, I think I'm about the same. My website is lianakangas.com and uh, through there you can find, you know, I'm trying this Hive thing out. We'll see how it goes. And uh, I'll still be on Instagram, but trying to do more mailing lists. So I have my Patreon that gets first access to like any essays or uh, updates that I do. But then I obviously put it after on my Substack and my um, Zest World uh, place where I'll be doing commissions and stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, I guess the best way is um, follow me on one of those. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, Sarah Leona, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us. This was a blast.
so much fun. It's so good to see you both again. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Cap Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from ComicsXF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, Pete Wisdom was actually the first character to ever say, To me, my X-Men. W-N-Q-A.